I changed something this year for the end of the year that I, we've never done before. And I rolled out all of the new technology at the end of the year. So when the teachers and students come back in the beginning of the year, I think the less new, the better. So they're confident, they're comfortable, they have their new device, they have their new board, they know how to plug it in, they know how to use everything. And everything is just so much smoother when school starts. Welcome everybody back to another exciting episode of the Undisrupted Podcast. Adam, uh, I get this debate and question all the time in my household, and I know you have kids <laughs> that are also uh, around the same age, um, but when is the right time to give that kid the cell phone? <laughs> if I had the correct answer to that question, I'd be a very, very rich man or a very hunted man by kids coming after me because they're not getting their phone because of what I said. But <laughs> yeah. I have an 11 year old and uh, we're getting ready to hit middle school. And that is the thing that is the topic in our house right now. It, you know, it, I believe my daughter is responsible, as responsible as an 11 year old could be. But it's one of those things I'm not necessarily worried about her. It's everybody else on the interwebs that I'm worried about. So, that, I mean, that's just my greatest concern is just, of course, not being there, but wanting to give her that opportunity to grow and utilize this powerful tool for communication and all the resources that are on there. But there's a lot of scary stuff. I mean, like, I don't know. Where are you? Where are you right now on that? I will. I have the answer. Actually, I know the right age to do it. And so and it's an algorithm that I came up with in my head. The answer is <laughs> the right age to give a kid a phone is when they are ready. Uh, <laughs> geez, <isn't that> amazing? <laughs> no, there, there is a, there, we in my former district, we kind of went back and forth with this group of parents that uh, formed a kind of a group called the wait till eighth movement. And it was like, we're going to wait until eighth grade before kids can have their phones. And uh, and 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 they had some ideas and research behind it, but it was very much like we're going to set this imaginary line with this this date that we decided is all the same. And what was bad about it was is that some kids um, they started having events and parties and get-togethers, and they said if your kid has a phone, they're not invited. So it became like almost a bullying campaign against kids that had phones. So, wow. Um, a lot of times, kids today say, you know, I need a phone because everyone else has one, and if I don't have one, then I'm going to be left out of the conversation. And I said, those aren't really good friends of yours if they're leaving you out just because you don't have a phone. So. Um, easy enough to say, but yeah, I'm dealing with it with my soon to be 11 year old. My 13 year old already has one. Um, she's now lobbying hard for TikTok, um, <laughs> but I, she has no social media at this moment except for Pinterest, but, uh, she's going to, I'm going to get her Instagram first and we're going to try that for a few months. And then however that goes, we'll see. And then again, I'm not trying to block stuff. I just want to make sure we're having conversations around it. So, yeah. Cause I, I know like personally, I, I made my kid go through the common sense media stuff. So, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's that education piece, but you know, it's one of the things we know it, we do it. I just got to make sure our schools do it and get their parents involved in that whole process. Cause education is key. It is. And we have an interesting guest joining us today from all the way up in New York. Alana Winnick is the ed tech director from Pocanic, Pocanic, uh, I messed it up. Pocanico. <laughs> Is it right? Yeah. Pecanico Hills. Pecanico Hills, New York. She's also, by the way, congratulations, a brand new board member for NiceGate, which is a great organization we'll talk about a little bit on the podcast. But Alana, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this debate? When well, is I, the right age? So <laughs> I actually, it, I just thought of something as you're saying it that's pretty interesting that we're doing. But um, I personally do know a 12-year-old boy, he's not 12 anymore, that received a inappropriate picture from an 11 year old girl uh -oh. and then um, showed his friends and 
that is actually illegal because it is spreading child pornography. So that was an illegal thing that was done. And you're right, it is about education um, and educating children on proper use. But there, some children are ready around 11 and 12 and some are not. Um, so I guess you're right, it depends on the child. But speaking of education, we in, in New York, there is this New York State Kids Safe Online poster mm-hmm. contest. And one of my seventh graders won the poster contest. And as a way to celebrate her winning it, um, she, I had her, she's one of, um, in my, they call themselves, I made them come up with a name, like they wanted to, they come to me every day on their recess. They call themselves the Tech Titans. And it's a group of four girls and one boy right now, and it's growing organically. And um, they decided, we wanted to educate all the other children on her winning the poster. And that was how we celebrate her winning. So they thought it was really boring to give a presentation to children. Because <laughs> who stands in front of a group of people and talks? That's really boring. So instead, she came up with this. They came, well, they came up with this interactive maze. Choose your own adventure maze. And there's different colored dots on the maze. And you have to find the card with that question. It's like, a scenario, what should you do? And there's different paths and you have to choose the right paths. And if you choose a wrong path, you go down a dead end. And then they have a conversation on what could have happened if they chose the wrong path. So that we tried it out in third grade for the first time and they broke up into the five groups and each bigger kid sat with a group of smaller kids and they went through the maze. And then after that, they're like, oh, we have so much we need to change. We learned so much. So we had a debrief. We changed it. We're going to make nice. a Microsoft form. They're going to sit down with the data person in the district on how to collect good data and make a form and send it out to the third graders. And then they're going to change their maze. So in the beginning of next year, when we set them up for success, they're going to play that game with all the elementary schoolers. That is awesome. Yeah. From, the, from the minds of kids, man. That's the thing. You give them a yeah. chance, an opportunity to have a stake into what they're creating. Yeah, why do we do that? Why is it that our go-to move is always let's all right make your slides on Google and uh, <laughs> stand up and make sure you have this much font and these many bullets on every slide? Well, you know, it's it's progression because you got to think about it. We went from a poster board to to a PowerPoint, so it's, it's, it's progress. <laughs> Going from the what is those things? What were the things we used to have in the shoe boxes? Uh, the, the dioramas. Remember the little hangy down things? And now it's now it could be virtual. We could do it in a VR. Are you doing anything with VR with your kids? You guys, your middle school, you said you now, you said something there, you, you're seventh grader. So you're, you're working with students, even though um, your title is. It's interesting that you say that. So I don't actually work directly with students. Um, about two years ago, no, when these kids were in, in sixth, sixth grade, we did not have a library media specialist because they retired like right in the middle of the pandemic until we oh. found the right person. I said, I'll teach the sixth grade tech rotation because we didn't have anyone. So I got really close with that group of students. Um, I taught one period a day until we hired someone and I transitioned out of there. Um, But I had them interviewed actually to celebrate all the things they're doing. And we're writing an article about them because they should be celebrated. And And she asked them, why are you choosing this? and not all the other opportunities you could get for community service. And they said that I make it really fun. So I think that (laughs) a way, I mean, I didn't want it to be, there's a lot of other reasons, but one of the reasons why they joined, one of the many reasons, I don't want to take all the credit, is that they have fun doing it when they're with me. And I mean, if you told the kids they had to make a board game about digital citizenship, that would be an assignment in a class. I don't know why they 
think it's fun, but they do. And they keep coming <laughs> back, but they chose it. I didn't assign it to them. Um, but I think that's a topic of how you can empower females to get more involved in technology is by having maybe a female role model for them to look up to and want to join in on it. So maybe that's a positive that, that thing. Queued, that queued up a thought in my head, Adam, <laughs> because I know you're a big believer in the old uh, girls who code. And I know you have a big, um, you do, a, uh, your district does a huge thing around this, um, your daughter. Yeah, we have a big event, in, Inspire Her. Um, actually, just got a big grant from Facebook to kind of promote it for it. So like one of the things I know that that I wanted to do was make sure that we get as many women as possible out front doing um technology i have some powerful women in my department want to make sure that the the students got a chance to see them um and so we really kind of lean heavily on getting our young ladies in coding opportunities but but i know we were having a conversation uh earlier and which is which is cool where we're going with this and we have a little difference of opinion on this Ooh. which I know, I know, I, you know, I, and I'm all for this conversation. Yeah, Carl doesn't know it yet, so this is going to be exciting. Hi, this is so, the pre-call before I got on. Yeah, tell me what happened. Okay, <laughs> so I obviously am a female in tech, and I obviously think it's super important to empower females to want to be in tech. But I, growing up, my mom always told me that I should never leave anyone out, and I should always include everyone. And I believe that when you say, this is my own personal opinion, not my school's, not nice gates, on no one's opinion but my own. This is a disclaimer. It's <laughs> yeah. just my opinion. <laughs> that when you say girls who code, you're being exclusive and you're segregating everyone else. And in today's world right now, where we're trying to be gender inclusive and we're changing bathroom signs to be inclusive of all genders, it's very exclusive when you say girls who code. What about boys who want to code? What about transgenders who want to code? I don't like excluding anyone. And that's just how my mom raised me was never exclude anyone. So I just don't like saying girls who code and excluding other people. Um, so I think that there are ways to engage females and girls in technology without being exclusive to other genders. Yeah, Cause I think that's the whole, I mean, obviously the whole uh, motivation behind it is because there's a drop off with Ten, it tends to be around fifth grade with girls where they are just no longer interested or not as, not as many are as interested and it becomes a boy dominated field. And I think the motivation behind the things that Adam's doing and also the girls who code projects is obviously to raise it up and lift it up. But you're right. It does in this very name, exclude people. Um, I was uh, recently, my wife went on a girl's retreat um, and uh, I was very, I told her, I was like, Hey, you know, I can be fun. I, I can DJ. I can do all <laughs> It's like, it's a girl's retreat. I was like, you see, I feel like I should be involved in that too. Um, but at the same time, I also can understand that there's some thought around schools that do um, same sex kind of um, segregation too, where like, you know, we'll put a class that's all girls together to do a robotics team. We had a robotics team at our high school that was that way. And that, that team just destroyed everybody. Um, and, and they said part of the reason why it was so great is because they didn't have the distraction of uh, people of the opposite sex necessarily. But even that, when you think about it, it's kind of old rule thinking because not everybody is always going to have that same kind of, you know, the heterogeneous, if you will, relationship kind of going on in the back of their mind. But in our minds, we're like, oh, yes, we'll put boys over here and girls over here. And this is pink and this is blue. Uh, and therefore, it must be perfect. But um, yeah, I like that. That's a different. I've never heard that angle, Alana. And I'm proud of you for, for saying that for Adam. But response. you know, you know, one of the things, though. 
the cool thing about this conversation is, and, and this is one of my pet peeves when I go to conferences and uh, they have panels because uh, I sit on a lot of these panels and stuff too. But very often there's five people on the panel and they all think alike. They all agree with each other's uh, takes on a particular uh, point. And sometimes we do need some difference of opinions because we all want the, the best thing for our students. So it's similar to our opening conversation about what age is the right age for a cell phone. We have three different points of view. It doesn't mean that one age is the right age. This is somewhere the, the right answer or the solution is somewhere in between having that open conversation um, and open dialogue. So it's definitely about having the conversation and looking at different ways because we all realize that there's an issue out there. There's a concern. Um, so we just got to get to, you know, ultimately the happy medium where we want to be because we were talking about this earlier. Um, there's not too many tech directors that look like you. Uh, normally, I, I know because I know I've, I've been in that situation where I walk yes. in the room. I'm like, hey, I, I am bringing the yep. diversity to this room. Um, you know, I'm sure you walk in the room and people are like, oh, no, young lady, the, the high school thing is down the hallway. You're like, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> yeah. in my old job, I actually supported 48 school districts. Um and one of them was my current district, and that's kind of how I made the transition. And when I'd go there for the first time, a lot of times, I'd be like, where's your pass? Excuse me, where's your pass? Oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> it happens. I mean, and I think we, we make judgments based on physical appearance all the time. And it's interesting because when Adam was talking, too, about that whole idea of a panel, you know, you do have sometimes, you know, I feel like we've done a better job lately. And maybe this is just, you know conferences kind of picking up on the cues to say like, we need to make sure we have a different diverse group, but you're absolutely right, Adam. They could all look different, but they could all have the same viewpoint. And all of a sudden we're like, we're in the back in the echo chamber and we're in this, I feel like, and I don't know if y'all feel this way too, but we're in this kind of era right now where it's like, you have to either like this or that, or it's black or white, or it's yes or no. There's never like, I feel like we can't settle on a gray area. And the truth is you both have great points to make about the girls who code thing, right? There's your opinion of like, well, you know, it's exclusive, which is, is, is correct. It is exclusive. Well, and then as long your, as he yeah. has a boy's alternative, I think it's totally fine. Or, right. or another alternative. As long as there's an alternative where everyone has the same opportunity, then it's, I'm, I don't have a problem with it. I just so have having, a problem if someone's interested in something and there's no opportunity. So... You know, this is interesting, too, because I, you and I have talked before. We met at Nice Skate uh, this last year. Great event, yeah. by the way. Adam, we're going to have to get you up there. New York City. Member, maybe we can have some conversations. No, I don't even know if I have that power yet. I start <laughs> you heard your heard, heard first, folks. That's right. Adam and Carl doing the closing keynote at Nice Skate. Um, racket. No, no, racket. <laughs> no, but it's interesting because I, you and I got involved in a very good, a good discussion, and I thought it was interesting um, you know, talking about, um, I, I know for a fact that there's certain things that I, I tend to get away with because first of all, I'm white and I'm a male and I'm actually a pretty big person. So I'm not, I'm not like, mm -hmm. I, I can, I, I, my wife's like, you can get away with it cause you're this big giant guy. Um, do you find, or have you found in your career that there's times when you feel like, obviously you just said, it, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, you must be, you must be in the wrong building, whatever. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like that also has stifled you in some ways? And then if so, how do you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I've had a wide range of obstacles in my career, and I don't need to talk in depth about some of them, but sure. um, like I, I, I think it's important for me to be open about this. I've talked about it more openly now in the past few years now that I'm more mature and I'm an administrator and a leader and I try to empower other people. And I think if you are a young girl and this happens to you, I would encourage you to come forward. But I was sexually harassed um, at mm. my job by my direct supervisor 
and I was a young, naive, innocent child, and I did not realize that I had rights and I could stand up for myself and I could come forward, and that's not acceptable. So that was a stumbling block that I faced. Um, And I did have other stumbling blocks where I hit like glass ceilings. There was no more opportunity for growth. Um, There or there were opportunities for growth and other people just didn't support me to help me grow. And I had to find other ways to help myself grow. So I've seen a lot of that. Um, and kind of this election for NiceGate helped me realize that earning something on my own and working hard to earn it on my own is so much more exciting and meaningful than being handed anything. Yes. So all the struggles that I might have went through, I ended up here because of how hard I worked and because I earned it. And I think that it just makes it so much more meaningful. So if you are in any of the circumstances that I've encountered, just push through it and keep going. And when you get there, you'll be so much happier because you deserve to be there. Yeah. And that's, I think it's important that you uh, identify that. And it's, uh, first of all, very brave and proud of you for saying that out loud, because it is something that I think tends to be done behind closed doors and is kept behind closed doors for a reason, because people are embarrassed or ashamed, or they knew they were in the wrong in the first place. And it generally comes from a position of power um, where you have someone who's over somebody else. Um, Whenever I've seen harassment claims or or been around them in offices, that seems to be the, the case. And so the fact that you've use that as not a, a way to like say, well, I guess I'm just not going to do this. Instead, it's motivated you to, to go to where you have. So uh, applause for you on that. I mean, we, we got to get to the point where we can get um, around or beyond the the conversation of knowing the people who are a-holes and are able to get around because I'm pretty Technical sure whoever, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure whoever did that people in the institution knew that person um had was a pain in the butt or whatever whatever i mean i know for example not this district other places i've worked their administrators or people know oh so-and-so is difficult but you're just gonna have to deal with it or so-and-so is is going to yell at you but it's okay just deal with i mean that's not okay I, i don't know how it is in your states but in new york state we have this thing called tenure i don't do you have anything called? yeah they don't have that here they don't have yeah. that here. <laughs> okay, so you're lucky. So tenure means basically you've proven yourself. And after that, it's really, really, really hard to get rid of someone. And you have to spend years writing them up and documenting things until you can remove them from the position. And I just feel like if you are great at your job, you're going to keep challenging yourself and you – you shouldn't have to ever worry about tenure because you should be so secure in your job because you're doing such a great job. Yeah, that makes sense. I think in our, in our states, I know Adam and I both come from states where the union isn't very strong. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, <laughs> a right to work state. So you, nah, you can, I'm in the South. Like we don't, we don't like the union. No, we don't, yeah. <laughs> Texas, Georgia. Yeah. it's But the tenure thing is real. And I think this is interesting too, because like when we hire you know, I, I had this hiring gauntlet that we called it, the EdTech gauntlet. And people said, geez, Carl, it's so hard. I mean, you're making these people go through all these hoops, seven different stages of things. Um, why are you doing all this? You're making it so hard. I said, because it's so easy to hire somebody, but it's so hard to fire them, yeah. right? We spend yeah. so much energy on the firing uh, sometimes that we should spend, you know, at least half of that on hiring the person. But instead of saying, oh, you did a good interview. You answered a couple of questions really funny. Um, I know that Adam and I are involved in this right now. 
you know, we're at, we're we're we're, have, we're in a back channel with some folks that are doing interviews, and they're like, "What are some good questions to ask?" Um, and it's and it's funny how that that's still the only thing we focus on. We should be focusing on the whole scope of the job. But yes, traditional interviews still are the same. It made me go back to think about what you're saying with the kids, like saying, "Why do we have to just do a PowerPoint? Why can't we do something different?" Um, yeah. So well, I didn't I, tell them to do a PowerPoint. I, no, <laughs> I think they just assume they just it, said, right? We, we, we will not do that. I said, you don't have to do that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so been, so, you, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit, you know, as we are, gosh, in 2022, wrapping this bad boy up pretty much as far, you know, school years and already getting ready for this 22, 23 school year. What can, what can you say, like, coming out of this pandemic era that we've been in has been your biggest growth as a, as a leader. Like what, what do you think you've really been able to take out of all this as a leader that you're going to really be able to apply into this next uh, school year? That's a really tough question because I became a school district leader in the pandemic. So I can't really compare what I got out of the pandemic versus what I just got out of the experience of my current job. Um, that's a really tough question. Um, we try to get the hard hitting questions here. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> what I did change. And I briefly was saying this Adam before you joined Carl that um, I did change something or maybe you're wrong. I changed something this year for the end of the year that I, we've never done before. And I rolled out all of the new technology at the end of the year. So when the teachers and students come back in the beginning of the year, I think the less new, the better. So they're confident, they're comfortable, they have their new device, they have their new board, they know how to plug it in, they know how to use everything. And everything is just so much smoother when school starts because they all have their new students, they might have a new classroom, they might be new to the district, and there's so much newness at the beginning of a new school year. So I think the less new at the beginning of a new year, the better, and the smoother it is, and the less tickets we'll have to deal with. So um, that was my strategy this year to try to make the new school year smoother next year. I don't know if it came out of the pandemic, but the pandemic now, you know, we're one to one. We everyone has a device. And um, I think making it smooth is important. Did you um, and during I guess my other question for that, immediately I think of like, that's a great idea. Why aren't more schools doing it? And then my thought is there's a challenge of burnout. You know, teachers kind of get capacity issues, right, where there's like, well, there's too much. uh, Maybe maybe there's too much on our plate. So how did you. how did you kind of wrestle with that too? Because you know, you're coming out of the pandemic. I mean, we're still, whatever, it's an endemic, we'll be in it forever. But, you know, out of the main part of it, I would say now, but teachers are just now, I feel like starting to feel like they can learn new things again. So yeah. how do you present that? Like, hey guys, question. I know it's, yeah, it's the end of the year and you're tired, but here's so why we're going to do this now. What I did was slowly a couple months ago, I started rolling things out, like at a faculty meeting, I just showed them something. I'm like, I'm just going to show you this. It's available. You don't need to use it. Just know it's there. We'll provide deeper training next school year. But if you want to play with it now, go ahead. And then with the devices and the um, boards, they didn't come at the same time. And I'll bring up um, the SAMR model. I've actually yep. met um, him. Ruben. Um, Ruben Puentadera. He's awesome. At when I, yeah, he's awesome. So yeah. um, I actually do think that that model is very subjective and not objective. And there's 
I, I could go in very deep into that, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> or we can, we can after, but that's not the point of the story. That's not the point of the story. Don't get me coming is, at you I with Ruben. Yeah. We can. No, I, I would say it to him. I would love to have this conversation. I think it's subjective, not objective. I'll tell you after this point. But what I try to do with the device, with, with all the new rollouts is I use the S. So here's your old board. Here's your new board. Here's how you do exactly the same thing you did before. Here was your old device. Here's your new device. S, same thing, just substituting, substituting, substituting. Um, nothing new. If you want to learn something new, here's resources. If you don't, don't worry. Next year, we're going to learn about the cool new things that you could do that you couldn't do before. But I kind of just made it like a substitution. So nothing changed in their world other than the piece of hardware. That makes sense. So yeah, starting with that S level, and then that's your that's your ground level. It's not the ceiling. It's saying like, this is where we're starting. If you feel comfortable, move forward. I like that. Yeah. Go to yeah. the A and the M and the R, right. however subjective those may be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, there's like... They are. So, they are. I mean, it depends on you, right? It's all subjective to you, where you are, what your background is, what your culture is, where you came from, what you know. And an R to you <laughs> might not be an R to someone else. Right. This takes us all back to the opening debate about the cell phone. When is it appropriate? It's all yeah. about your background. And, you know, yeah. it's full circle on all this stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's all subjective. It's all about, you know, when, when is it the right time to do things? You know, what level do you think it is? It's all about whatever you think it is. When does Adam <laughs> need to start his OnlyFans account for his knuckles? Because we're starting an Adam's knuckles. Only fan. There they are. Look at those beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to check They're out amazing. the beautiful knuckles here. Uh, you know, bring it up every podcast. Um, but I, I do think that's, and I think if you actually, if you've talked to Ruben, I've talked to him too, a few times and he is kind of funny cause he's basically said it's turned into a teacher evaluation tool, which it never was meant to be. I know. I and know. he's like, and in some ways, uh, the last time I saw him speak and, and I love the guy, uh, you know, and those of you who haven't seen him, he's like a South America, South American Santa Claus. He's just a very jolly fellow. <laughs> um, but he's, he, uh, and very ethereal, very way in his head. He's a great, extremely intelligent. But he basically said, when he introduced himself, he goes, and my apologies, I'm the one who invented the SAMR model. Like now he apologizes for it because people uh, have used it no, into a tool a that's- great tool. But yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it, so the when I really realized it was subjective, um, I was talking to Adam about this before, we all have an ISTE connection. So we have an ISTE board member, an ISTE book writer. And through my work at NiceGate, I facilitate the ISTE certified educator trainings. Um, I was one of the first 16 people nice. to ever go through it um, in the pilot. And then this woman, Carm, who used to work for NiceGate, is now the ISTE certification director of ISTE. Yeah. So she helped change it, and it's grown so much under her leadership, and I've seen it grow. It's a, especially during the pandemic, that program changed in such a positive way so fast. And then we were able to do it remotely with people all around the world, and there was such a a different experience when you could connect with someone in China and Australia and um, all around Europe. So that was pretty cool for me. But anyway, the point of the story is when we used to do it not virtually, in a room, we would do four corners and we put up a scenario and say, this corner's S, this one's A, this one's M, that's R. Which one do you think it is? Go to that corner, talk about it. And in that, and then we would have them report out S A M R. And you would have to try to convince people to yes. switch where they were and come to the other side. And ah. based on the arguments, people really did switch corners. And that's when I realized it really is so subjective. And people get so heated about this. If you ever want to have a fun PD, use that. It's really a Sammer Smackdown yeah. coming yeah. to you live at ISTE 2023. <laughs> 
But <laughs> but you know the good the good oh, thing <laughs> the, the good thing Sorry. about that though is the fact that people are at least having those conversations about how they're utilizing technology versus just taking a PDF and loading it up into uh, Cami or something and annotating on it. At least they're having some conversations around you know is he or there? No, you should be doing this. And so they're getting a deeper understanding, which is something that I think a lot of districts would love to have teachers just at that piece where they're having those in-depth conversations. But we've come to the number one question of this podcast. The what the question that stumps guests time and time again. Are you ready for it? Well, here it comes. <laughs> how, how can you remain undisrupted in <laughs> with your role, everything going on in your life in your job yes how do you remain undisrupted self-care what are you doing to keep yourself centered what am i well i'm i, I need a vacation i think <laughs> <laughs> i think i need a vacation i think that's what i need so i haven't taken one you haven't? Time. Not really. No, not a real vacation. I think you need to unplug and not look at technology for like a week. I think maybe pull out a, a paper book, maybe Adams or I mean, no, Carl's. I see it in Adams. Adams now. is coming soon. It's someday. Uh, well, wait, we, no, can, I heard, we don't want to listen to the podcast and I heard he. Yeah, which, is, which is not it's not exclusive yet. We can't announce this yet. So we'll just, oh. I'm just very excited that there's a well, possibility that maybe it'll happen. Yeah, oh. some, something yeah, should be happening soon. in his background and it's your book. Yeah. Like maybe that book. Maybe I'm going to read that book. I haven't read it yet. I heard it's <gasps> great. Thank you. I, I mean, it's on my list. I just haven't had much time to yeah. disconnect from yeah. the paper book. I heard it goes downhill after the forward, but you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> it was a great forward. Um, I, I, but I do think taking even uh, a, a non-professional book, too, I think when you're talking about that disconnection and kind of resetting your brain, it's good to have just a, a fun novel to read. I do that. I'll, I read probably, uh, I try to read at least one or two books a month. Um, what's that one? The burnout. Yeah, the pandemic. current book that I'm reading, the burnout e- epidemic. So this oh, okay. is, um, yeah, perfect time. Like as a leader, it's a pretty good book though. It, it's personally in my collection. Reading through it, um, trying to be a better leader and keep my team from getting burnt out with all the crazy stuff we have going on right now. Just ways that I can improve my leadership skills. So yeah, definitely recommend it. The burnout epidemic. Well, um, there's a lot of a lot to unpack with today's session. Thank you. So that it sounds like we're a therapy session. I guess a lot to unpack today, Alana, with the, all the things we've done today on the podcast. Uh, but I want to thank you for joining us, and to all our listeners out there, be sure to subscribe and give us a review. We appreciate it. We might even give you a shout out on a future show. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Throw us the one, two, three, four, five stars if you get a chance. Uh, this has been the Undisrupted Podcast, brought to you by Future Ready Schools. You know, he's Adam. And you can follow him at his only fa- no no not his only fans account. You can follow him at Twitter at Ask Adam Free, <laughs> and he's Carl. And you can follow him at Mister Hooker. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are better together, and we are better undisrupted. Un- disrupted. <laughs>